Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its power that transforms us from the inside out. It's another evidence of your grace towards us. We thank you for your spirit that illumines our minds to be able to comprehend and to understand and to live out what it is that you call us to do. Father, we depend upon you for all things. We're thankful that your grace is greater than all our shortcomings, all our sins that we will ever commit. We thank you that we are freed from that bondage, that we are free to confess our sins and to repent and turn from them and to find cleansing from all unrighteousness because you are a righteous and faithful God. We pray that we would be eager to hear from you this afternoon, to hear what it is that your word instructs us to learn and how it is that we are to live in light of it. Uh, Father, do a work in our minds and in our hearts and help us to be an encouragement to one another. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Psalm 119, verses 89 to 96. It says, Forever, O Yahweh, your word stands firm in heaven. Your faithfulness endures from generation to generation. You establish the earth, and it stands. They stand this day according to your judgments, for all things are your slaves. If your law had not been my delight, then I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts. For by them you have revived me. I am yours. Save me. For I have sought your precepts. The wicked hope for me to destroy me. I shall perceive your testimonies. I have seen a limit to all perfection. Your commandment is exceedingly broad. I've titled this sermon Foundation for Life. Foundation for Life. In James chapter 1, verses 19 to 22, James exhorts believers to know the necessity of hearing and doing the word of God. It's not enough to just hear, but you must hear and also be doers of the word. He says in chapter 1, verse 19, know this, my beloved brothers. This is what he wants them to know. Everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And that's in regards to the word of God. Quick to hear the word of God, slow to speak against the word of God, and slow to anger when you hear the word of God. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. He goes on to say in chapter 1, verse 22, become doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves, who deceive themselves. Then he provides a vivid contrasting picture between one who hears and does or one who hears and does not do with one who hears and does do. In chapter 1, verses 23 to 25, he says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and has gone away, he immediately forgot what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of freedom, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man will be blessed in what he does. And where did James learn this from? James is the half-brother of Jesus, and so he would have heard Jesus teaching about this, especially in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, as his Sermon on the Mount comes to a close, he says in verses 17 through 21, Every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. 
Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father who is in heaven will enter. Then in the last section of his sermon, he says in chapter 7 of Matthew, verses 24 to 27, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and the rivers came and the winds blew and fell against that house. And yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. And everyone hearing these words of mine and not doing them may be compared to a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the rivers came and the winds blew and slammed against that house and it fell. And great was its fall. What do we learn from these two passages? We must know God and we must obey God. That is the best foundation for life. It is dangerous to hear God's word without doing what he says. This is the foolish man who builds his house on the sand in contrast to the wise man who built his house on the solid foundation of God's word. What is the foundation of your life? What do you stand upon? What establishes everything else that your life is built upon? How do you make decisions? How do you decide what to do? How do you respond to what's happening? And is it able, is your foundation able to withstand the heavy storms and winds and the inevitable trials of life that will come upon you? Foundations don't just provide a stable grounding. It also impacts the rest of the structure. Foundations, therefore, determine what you believe in, how you think, what you do, where you go, who you are, and it also has an eternal impact. You will either be blessed, James one twenty five, as we heard, or great will be your fall, Matthew 7.27. What is your foundation for life? The psalmist says here in verse 92 about God's word, if your law had not been my delight, then I would have perished in my affliction. He's making a statement about life itself and the foundation that that life is built upon. He says in verse 95, the wicked hope for me to destroy me. I shall perceive your testimonies. He's able to stand firm. God's word is his foundation. It is the word of God that delights his heart in the midst of the storms of life. And God uses his word to revive him. Verse 93 says, I will never forget your precepts for by them you have revived me. And what does that mean? By them you. It means that God is the one employing his word, his revealed word, to uphold him as he remembers God's word. In other words, God is using his word in the psalmist's life, and he's being transformed and strengthened to persevere because the foundation for his life is built upon the word of God. Therefore, if you neglect the word of God, you are casting aside life itself. If you neglect the word of God, you are casting aside life itself because great will be your fall. We will continue to see that the foundation of the psalmist's life is the word of God as we've been learning together throughout the first 11 stanzas. In the previous stanza, the psalmist was 
able by the grace of God to endure, to persevere through many afflictions, and also to understand them rightly. He knows who God is, and he knows the value of God's word in his life, and he also desires with all his heart to be pleasing to God. The foundation of his understanding is grounded in who God is, the sovereignty of God, and the trustworthiness of God's word, and the certainty of God's promises that are revealed in his word. And in the midst of great weariness, anguish, even despair, the psalmist cried out to God to provide for him what he could not provide for himself, the comfort that comes from God alone. The comfort of God is, again, not taking you out of a situation, taking you out of difficulty, taking you out of trials, but the comfort of God uplifts you in your current situation and gives you strength to persevere through it. And so the psalmist looked to and longed for God and his word to comfort him. The psalmist sought comfort from the source of comfort. He had no other place to find it or any other place to look for it and to obtain it. So how can you have comfort in life? We saw last week amidst the most desperate of times, we took note of three necessary practices to help us to have the comfort that only God can provide. And it's all centered upon the word of God. We need to hope in the word of God. We need to have faith and trust in the word of God. And lastly, we need to persevere in the word of God in doing what the word says. And so we saw last week, if you neglect the word of God, you will be casting aside the comfort that only God can provide. And we will continue to see here that the foundation for life for the psalmist is the word of God. And the same is true for us today. The same is true for all believers. We're seeing how firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he hath said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled? The foundation for the believer, those who are in Jesus Christ, who have fled to Jesus for refuge, is his excellent word. That is our foundation upon which we build our life upon. And so this week, again, if you neglect the word of God, you will be casting aside life itself, this foundation for life that leads to blessing rather than a great fall. We'll take note of four unchanging realities about the word of God, four unchanging realities about the word of God that gives us a foundation for life so that we can stand firm and stand out with unwavering confidence no matter what is happening. First, the word of God, verse 89, is forever. The word of God is forever, or you can say eternal, permanent, fixed. Secondly, the word of God, verse 90 and 91, sustains. Third, verses 92 to 95, the word of God is sufficient. And lastly, the word of God, verse 96, is perfect. The word of God is forever, the word of God sustains, the word of God is sufficient, and the word of God is perfect. Four unchanging realities about the word of God that gives us a foundation for life so that we can stand firm and stand out with unwavering confidence no matter what is happening in life. And so the first one we'll look at is found in verse 89. The word of God is forever. Forever, eternal, permanent, fixed. Just pick one. God's word is forever. God's word is eternal because God is eternal and God is forever. The psalmist says, verse 89, forever, O Yahweh, your word stands firm in heaven. God is eternal. His word is forever and his word stands firm in heaven. That's what the psalmist declares. 
God is a God who has revealed himself to us and spoken to us in his word. And his word stands firm. His word is fixed. It is permanent. It is settled in heaven. In other words, it is unalterable. Therefore, you can stand firm. You can place and set yourself. You can take your stand and be stationed upon this forever, eternal, permanent, fixed word of God. John MacArthur has said, God is never becoming, never growing, never learning or increasing in anything. From eternity past to eternity future, he is always being who he has always been. God will never change. And his word will never change. And his word will stand forever. You want to build your life upon this foundation. Because this is the only foundation that can withstand the trials and difficulties of life and never fall apart. Everything else is changing. Everything else is temporary. Everything else is short-lived and fleeting. First Peter 1, 24 and 25 says, For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Matthew 24, verse 35 says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. John chapter 10, verse 35 says, Scripture cannot be broken. It cannot be broken. And some of you might know I have a thing about expiration dates, which is why I never grab anything from the back. They have these best before dates on them or best by dates because everything will expire. Everything will go bad. Everything will not last except one thing, the Word of God. There is no expiration date for the Word of God. There is no best before or best by date for the Word of God. It is best by forever. It is always profitable in any generation, for all generations. Neither is there a sell-by date, because some make a distinction between those things. Everything has a shelf life, and then it needs to be thrown out. But God's word never needs to be thrown out. God's word is always, in other words, relevant. It is sell-by always. The first unchanging reality about the word of God that gives us a foundation for life so that we can stand firm and stand out with unwavering confidence, no matter what is happening, is that the word of God is forever. The word of God is forever. And the one who does the will of God abides forever. First John 2, 17. Knowing God and obeying God. The word of God is how we know God. The word of God is how we know truth. The word of God is how we know about salvation. The word of God is how we know the will of God. How are we to live for him in a way that is pleasing. The word of God is how we will also endure and persevere in life. And that leads us to the second unchanging reality about the word of God that gives us a foundation for life. Verses 90 and 91, the word of God sustains us. The word of God sustains. Not only is the word of God forever eternal and permanently fixed in heaven, but the word of God, verse 90 endures, the psalmist says, endures from generation to generation because of God's faithfulness. 
He says, God has established the earth and it stands. In verse 91, they stand this day according to your judgments for all things are your slaves. What a life perspective changing truth that is to have as the foundation for your life. God's faithfulness here refers to his trustworthiness, his steadfastness, his reliability, his firmness and his fidelity. And this faithfulness has been at work and has been clearly seen from generation to generation, from the very first generation to the current generation and to every future generation. God's faithfulness endures. And if you are alive, if you're living on the earth, it is because God's faithfulness endures. It stands this day. And the psalmist goes on to further acknowledge and to punctuate this point. He says in line B of verse 90, You establish the earth and it stands. And why does it stand? Why does it remain? Why does it endure? Why does it sustain us? The psalmist says, because, verse 91, they stand this day according to your judgments. In other words, according to God's word, according to his authoritative rule, according to what God has rightly determined and decided and decreed. It is because of his sovereign power. It is because of Because he is God, he is the sovereign one, and we are not. And the psalmist adds, for all things are your slaves. All things have been made by him and for him, and all things depend upon him. The earth stands because of him, and we live because of him. All things are to be submissive to his authoritative rule, and we are to be servants of his purposes. Psalm 90, verses 1 and 2, Moses prays, Lord, you have been our dwelling place from generation to generation before the mountains were born or you brought forth the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And in Psalm 24, verse 1, David declares, the earth is Yahweh's as well as its fullness, the world and those who dwell in it. Job 38, verse 4, Yahweh asked Job, Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? In Isaiah 42, verse 5, it says, Thus says the God, Yahweh, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and its offspring, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. Isaiah 45, 18, For thus says Yahweh, who created the heavens, He is God who formed the earth and made it. He established it and did not create it a formless place, but formed it to be inhabited. I am Yahweh, and there is none else. Psalm 33, 6. By the word of Yahweh, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all their host. And he has accomplished this through his Son. Colossians 1, 16 and 17 says, For in him, in Christ, all things were created, both in heaven, in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Hebrews 1.3 says, all things are upheld by the word of his power. And if you want to be able to stand firm and stand out with unwavering confidence, no matter what is happening around you, you need to understand that this is God's world. He is in full control over it. That he sustains it all. And that his faithfulness endures from generation to generation. And that we must depend upon him to sustain us through it all. 
and that he is the only one that can. When you have no hope, when you have no understanding of what life is about, when you have no true foundation for life, no lamp, no light for your feet and for your path, when God's word is not your delight, when you don't know God, when difficult times come, it can lead to a place of no hope, a place of despair. And we've seen the rising rates of suicide. They don't have a foundation for life. What they've looked to has not satisfied them. Where they're looking has not been sufficient for them. It has not been able to sustain them through the trials. And so it leads to them taking their own life. They have nowhere else to turn. And so you want to build your life on this sure foundation because this foundation is the reason why everything is and why everything continues to be. You want to build your foundation on the one who is all-knowing, all-powerful, who has made you and given you divine revelation about who you are and has given you authoritative instructions on how to live and has declared the highest privilege and purpose of why to live which is to glorify him and to make him known. Hebrews 11.3 says, By faith, we, believers, understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God. Revelation 4.11, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and because of your will, they existed and were created. We were created to glorify and worship God and to obey his word. Acts 17, 28, for in him we live and move and exist. In Romans eleven thirty six, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him belongs all the glory forever. Amen. And so the second unchanging reality about the word of God that gives us foundation for life so that we can stand firm and stand out with unwavering confidence no matter what is happening is that the word of God sustains us and sustains all things. The third unchanging reality about the Word of God that gives us a foundation for life is that the Word of God is sufficient. Verses 92 to 95. The Word of God is sufficient. Verse 92 says, If your law had not been my delight, then I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have revived me. I am yours. Save me, for I have sought your precepts. The wicked hope for me to destroy me. I shall perceive your testimonies. The word of God is sufficient for all of life. The word of God is sufficient for any and every circumstance. The word of God is a sufficient foundation for life. The only thing keeping the psalmist moving forward in life was God and his word. He says in verse 92, If your law had not been my delight, if I didn't know your word, if I didn't love your word, then I would have perished in my affliction. And the word used for perish means to go astray, to become lost, to be carried off, to lose oneself, to break. In other words, if the word of God was not his delight, if it was not his treasure, if it was not his hope, if the word of God was not sufficient for his life, then he would have reached a breaking point. He would have given up. He would have given in to his afflictions. 
he would have lost all hope and gone astray with absolutely no direction in life and nowhere to turn. The trials and tribulations, the suffering and distress of this life would have overpowered and overwhelmed him because there would have been no solid foundation to stand upon. And it's important to note that delight here is in the plural. This was a constant, a continual delight in the word for the psalmist. For the psalmist, it was the treasuring up, the storing up day after day that helped him through the sorrows and afflictions. What helped him to persevere was his lifelong habit of reading, meditating, obeying, and delighting in God's word, God's sufficient word. John Calvin has said, quote, The psalmist declares that he was grievously oppressed by a weight of afflictions, enough to overwhelm him, but that the consolation which he derived from the divine law in such desperate circumstances was as life to him. And Charles Spurgeon has said, quote, We should have felt ready to lie down and die of our griefs if the spiritual comforts of God's word had not uplifted us. But by their sustaining influence, we have been borne above all the depressions and despairs which naturally grow out of severe affliction. Some of us can set our seal to this statement. Our affliction, if it had not been for divine grace, would have crushed us out of existence so that we should have perished. In our darkest seasons, nothing has kept, kept us from desperation but the promise of the Lord. Yea, at times nothing has stood between us and self-destruction save faith in the eternal word of God. God's word is sufficient. The word which has preserved the heavens and the earth also preserves the people of God in their time of trial. And the psalmist has lived this and experienced this. Notice what he says in verse 93. He says, I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have revived me. He's experienced God's comfort and God's reviving him. The psalmist remembers God's word, verse 93. He sought God's word, verse 94. And he considered God's word, verse 95, while in the midst of life-threatening circumstances. And he acknowledges who God is as the one who revived him, as the one who can save him. And he acknowledges who he belongs to, verse 94. He says, I am yours. I belong to you, Yahweh. And notice the connection between what he says. He says, I am yours, and for I have sought. And what is that connection? Obedience to God's word is evidence that you belong to God. Obedience to God's word is evidence that you belong to God. And it is hope in this sufficient word that will strengthen you and sustain you. He says in verse 95, the wicked hope for me to destroy me. It is clear what the wicked want to do to him. They are hoping for it. They are waiting for it to destroy him. But the psalmist, in light of knowing that, says, I shall perceive your testimonies. To perceive is to give careful attention and thought to, to pay close attention to, to be discerning and to have understanding. What is sufficient for him in this moment of life and death? What provides him with a firm foundation to stand upon? What does he apply his mind and his thoughts to? to give him rest. It is God and his word. The wicked hope and wait for him, but he hopes and waits upon God. The wicked seek to consume him, but he consumes himself with the sufficient word of God that is profitable and that equips him for every good work. 
that uplifts him in his time of need. And so you want to build your life on this foundation because this is the only foundation that provides all that you need as it pertains to life and godliness, how to please the Lord, which is what you've been created to do. This foundation is not lacking anything. It's not lacking in power. It's not lacking in grace. It's not lacking in truth. It's not lacking in wisdom, nor is it lacking in understanding. And you do not need to add anything to this already sufficient foundation. Neither do you need to take anything away from it as well. And so the third unchanging reality about the Word of God that gives us a foundation for life so that we can stand firm and stand out with unwavering confidence no matter what is happening is that the Word of God is absolutely sufficient. The last unchanging reality about the Word of God here in this stanza is that the Word of God is perfect. Verse 96. The Word of God is perfect. The psalmist says, I have seen a limit to all perfection. Your commandment is exceedingly broad. The psalmist recognizes and understands that there is a limit to all perfection when it comes to everything else in life. Everything else falls short. Nothing else compares or even competes with God's word. The word of God is matchless. It's unparalleled. It's unrivaled. God's word is holy meaning it's sacred, it's separate, it's sanctified, it's pure and perfect. And the psalmist says of God's word, your commandment is exceedingly broad. In other words, it is immeasurable, limitless, transcendent, infinite. And it is in comparison to this infinitely perfect standard of truth that all should come to see that everything else falls short and that everything else will fail you. Everything else is a foundation that is built upon sinful and sinking sand. But the word of God is perfect. And the word of God will never fail you. You want to build your life on this foundation. Because this is the only foundation that doesn't need any changes. It doesn't need any improvements. Nor will it ever. It is perfect. You don't need to look for the next best thing. You don't need to scroll to see what's trending, so you can do that. You can have absolute confidence in the inerrant, without error, infallible, will not and never lead you astray, perfect word of God. Perfect word of God. And so we've taken note of four unchanging realities about the word of God that gives you a foundation for life so that you can stand firm no matter what is happening and also stand out in faith, no matter what is happening. The word of God is forever, eternal, permanent, and fixed. The word of God sustains. The word of God is sufficient. And the word of God is perfect. And so if you neglect the word of God, you will be casting aside life itself. The foundation for life that God gives to us in his word. Apart from the word of God, apart from the truth of God's word, which reveals that apart from repentance and faith in the gospel, apart from knowing that you are a sinner in need of a savior, apart from knowing that you deserve hell for breaking the law of God, apart from knowing that you cannot save yourself, you will not have the right foundation for life. 
you will not even know why you are alive. You won't know why you were created. You'd still be blinded to it, always searching, always seeking, never going to be satisfied. God in his word declares that the wages of sin is death. That by your sin, you have earned yourself eternal death and there's nothing that you can do to change that. No amount of good works can bring you even an inch closer to God. You can labor your entire life, you can try your hardest, and you will still be infinitely separated from a holy God. Salvation is not something that can be purchased. It's not something that you can buy with money. It's not something that is granted based upon who you are or your performance. It is not earned, neither is it deserved by anyone. No one gets to heaven based upon their own so-called righteousness. There are none righteous, not even one. No one seeks for God. And the wages of sin is death. But the gracious and free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus the Lord. It is God who through the perfect life of his son, Jesus Christ, and his sacrificial substitutionary atoning death and his resurrection, it is through his righteousness that salvation is freely offered, which is grace alone, undeserved, unmerited favor upon sinners. And to all who would repent and believe through faith alone, in Christ alone. It's not about what you can do for God, but what God has already done through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He said it is finished. The good news is that God's eternal, sustaining, sufficient, perfect word tells us of an eternal, sustaining, sufficient, and perfect Savior who can save you from your sins. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the incarnate word. John 1.1 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. In John 1.14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. In verse 17, For the law was given through Moses, which could only condemn. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. He is the Son of God, and he is the fulfillment of the law that we have broken, and the law that could never save anyone, but that was to point us to him, the one who perfectly fulfilled the law. Galatians 4, 4 and 5 says, But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law. Not only is he fully and truly God, he's fully and truly man, and he needed to be. Galatians 3.13, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, taking our place, becoming our substitute. Romans 5.8, this is a demonstration of God's love. God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. In Romans 4.25, he who was delivered over on account of our transgressions was raised on account of our justification Romans 6, 5, so certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. That is our glorious hope. In 1 Timothy 1, 15, it is a trustworthy saying deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world 
to save sinners. And it is only, as Colossians 1.14 says, in Christ, in Him, in the perfect Savior, sufficient Savior, that we have redemption, that we have forgiveness of sins, that our life can be built upon the only foundation that will be able to sustain us and carry us through because it is a perfect foundation. And if you repent and believe in the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ, the only Savior, the only Lord, if you confess with your mouth that he is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, if you call upon his name, you will be saved. You will be saved if you call upon his name. You want to build your life on the foundation of the God of the word and the word of God. It's the only foundation that will last. It's the only foundation that will endure. You want to build your life on this foundation, on its authority, on its sufficiency, on its permanence, on its judgments, on its precepts, on its testimonies, on its commandments that can save you, that can sustain you, and that can sanctify you. And upon, as well, Christ, the cornerstone, and upon Christ, the solid rock, who is the Son of the living God, who is building his church, and who is one day returning to usher in his millennial kingdom and to establish a new heaven and new earth when everything else will be burned away. Christ and his kingdom will last. All other ground is truly sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand that leads to eternal destruction and eternal damnation, unending. Any other foundation will not stand. Any other foundation is not forever, is not sufficient, and is not perfect. Build your hope on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Do not live your life upon an unstable, weak, imperfect, inadequate foundation a foundation that will consequently affect and impact and determine everything else in your life and why you do it, as well as determining and deciding your eternal future. If you neglect the Word of God, you're casting aside life itself. And as believers, we are to stand firm in the Word of God and also stand out for the Word of God to make this truth known, to proclaim it, to proclaim the good news, and to live our lives in such a way that others may see that we do stand upon a foundation that will never be moved, that we are safe and secure in the arms of Christ, that nothing in this life will lead us to fear or doubt or even taking our own lives because we have the greatest hope this world has to offer. That's Christ. And we have his word that encourages us and helps us persevere each and every day, and the promises of his word, which we can anticipate and look to with longful hoping. He has provided everything that we need, and it is absolutely sufficient. It will absolutely sustain us through all things, and is absolutely perfect, forever fixed, and permanent. I hope you see the value of God's word. That it gives us a foundation for life, a foundation that will last and the only foundation that is going to be pleasing to the Lord 
We began by talking about not only being hearers of God's word, but also doers of God's word, lest we delude ourselves, lest we deceive ourselves. So I pray that we would not only be hearers of God's truth, those who say and profess that we love God's word, but also those as we take in God's word with humility of heart, with dependence upon the spirit, that we would also be those who desire to live out and to practice and to exercise God's word and be doers of God's word so that we can make an impact and stand out in this world and also to open our mouths and to proclaim this good news to all. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its instruction. We thank you for its life-changing impact and transformation through your spirit. We thank you that though everything around us may be unstable and shaking, that we have found refuge in you, that we have found refuge in a perfect Savior, in a perfect word, unshakable foundation. We thank you that amidst the storms of life, that we will persevere, that we will be comforted by you, that we will have your people to surround us at all times. We thank you that your church is being built and nothing will prevail against it. We pray that we would be a faithful church that proclaims the good news and lives out the truth that it contains. Father, help us by your spirit to live according to your word. According, Help us by your spirit to greater delight in your word as well. And help us by your spirit to encourage one another as we see the day drawing near to greater love and to greater works for you. And may you be magnified, may you be glorified in all that we do. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen.